Exodus chapter 17, starting at the 8th verse. I'll be reading this morning uh, verses 8 through 15 for your consideration. Exodus chapter 17, starting at the 8th uh, the verse. Now, I, am, I don't have multiple personalities, but I'm used to folk talking back to me. So if y'all don't talk back, I'm going to talk back to myself, all right? Can the church say amen? <laughs> amen. All right, Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 8, and it reads, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord Is, my banner. My brothers and sisters, just briefly, I'd like to use that for a subject this morning. The Lord is our banner. My brothers and sisters, I, I, I think uh, I heard it on the video earlier. None of us would have imagined 2020 would be like this. Can I get a witness? <laughs> when we look back, none of us thought we'd face anything like that, even not in a year, but not even in a lifetime. Uh, I didn't really even know there was a such word as pandemic. I've heard epidemic, but I, now I know about pandemic. And I, I, I look at all that we face this year. I'm from southern Louisiana, and I've seen more hurricanes in the Gulf. Uh, southern Louisiana is dealing just with uh, Hurricane uh, Delta that recently hit. We're seeing the racial tension and civil unrest in our country. We're seeing disrespect, and we're seeing uh, divided sides, and our country seems to be uh, more uneasy, more at rest, and people are more anxious and against one another than ever before in my life. My brothers and sisters, when we think about it, it's not just the folks in the world that's dealing with this. We're dealing with it in the church. Can I get a witness? All of us, if we're honest, even us Christians who love God, sometimes we attack with anxiety. Can I get a witness? Yeah, some of us, like me, some, we're worried with work, troubled with kids. Yeah, some of us, my brothers and sisters, get frustrated because we've, what, been confined with COVID. Some of us, even in looking at the political platform, some of us are, are bothered by Biden, and some of us are troubled with Trump. But we got a lot of things going on that's creating anxiety for us as the church. And the question is, my brothers and sisters, as we see things like this, how will the church respond? When the world's at its worst, my brothers and sisters, I argue we need the church at our best. And when we see things like this, we need to take a step back because when we're in our feelings, my brothers and sisters, we respond out of flesh and not according to God's word, his will, and his way. Can I get a witness? My question for us today is how will we respond? 
How will we deal with situations like this? Because not only is the world in a turmoil, because of the situation in the world, you argue, my brothers and sisters, the confrontation is coming in the church. They're coming against sound biblical preaching and teaching, my brothers and sisters. There's more of us that are walking away from what we call organized religion and say, well, I'm spiritual. That's the most foolish thing in the world. But we're seeing it's happening, my brothers and sisters. And it's important for us to church. We need to take a step back and respond according to God's word. As it challenges me and you, my brothers and sisters, I, I think it's important for all of us to to get out of our feelings and take a step back and realize that Jesus is still on the throne. There's still one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and contrary to popular belief, one race, the human race, my brothers and sisters, and we need to stand up for God. We need to stand up for what's right, my brothers and sisters. It's time for us, my brothers and sisters, when the world's at its worst, it needs us at our best. Contrary to popular belief, Darkness don't dispel light. Light dispels darkness, and we are the light of the world, my brothers and sisters. A city that sits on a hill, we should not be hidden. But we got to go out and respond in the world. We can't be silent here in the church. We can't sit back and see that things are wrong and be silent about it and be complacent about it. My brothers and sisters, I, I, I just, if you would, can I tag the rest of the sermon from a, a song by Bonnie Raitt in the early 90s? Uh, let's give them something to talk about, y'all. How about love, y'all? How about giving the world something to talk about? How about allowing them to see, my brothers and sisters, that even though we're different in different aspects of our life, we come together because the same blood was shed for you, was shed for me. The same saving grace that saved me, saved you. And we come together because love will win, my brothers and sisters. Love will win. As we look at this story in Exodus, it's a great story to talk about how the people of God can come together and handle an attack talks about how the people of God can achieve victory when they're under attack. It, it shows us a glimpse of how we can respond in this time. As we look at the text, a couple things I want to just point out and I'll get out of your way. It shows us, my brothers and sisters, if we're going to win, we got to work according to God's plan. We got to follow God's process and we got to depend on God's power. Work according to God's plan, follow God's process, and we got to depend on God's power. The first thing is, my brothers and sisters, it's important to understand that, that prayer is the key for us when we fight. Omar sung the song earlier that we fight from our knees. Y'all, that's, that's God's plan. Uh, in, in, in the text, we, we picked up at verse 8, but, but if you go back and read earlier, Moses was already in trouble because the people were complaining. In verse 4, he did what, what, what any uh, good uh, Christian would do these days, and Moses prayed. Moses said, Lord, uh, uh, what shall I do with these people? They are, they are ready to stone me. My brothers and sisters, our plan must be rooted in prayer. Scripture said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from our wicked ways. And I hear from heaven and I, I hear their land. My brothers and sisters, we got to start off with a plan that's rooted in prayer. My brothers and sisters, we need to make sure you're spending more time praying than trying to develop a political platform or strategy. Are you spending more time talking to God? or talking to folks about your, your, your own preferences, my brothers and sisters. We need to spend more time in prayer. Paul said it like this, don't be anxious about anything. 
but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will march God around our heart. I argue, my brothers and sisters, we miss the peace of God because we forget that we have God as our peace. Can I get a witness? Yeah, we got to know that if you have accepted Jesus Christ, you already have peace. So even in this anxious time, even dealing with these difficulties, if you're a born-again believer, you already have peace. All right, now y'all don't seem like y'all understand that. Uh, I, I got a great example for you. Uh, I used to live over here in Pearland Park Estates, and uh, a couple years uh, before we moved, our dryer went out. And uh, well, it wasn't really out, it was just raggedy and it made a lot of noise. And I told my wife, well, just close the door. It ain't that bad, baby. And it wasn't until I was on a prayer line one morning with the brothers at 6 o'clock. They said, what is that noise? I said, oh, man, that's my dryer. <laughs> so I went to my wife. I said, hey, I got to go ahead and get a new dryer. So her and I went to get a new dryer. And, and uh, I got to confess first that my wife and I were shopping together, but we shopped from two different angles. My wife was trying to find the nicest dryer she could find. I was trying to spend the least amount of money I can. We, we were shopping together, but we were going at it from different angles. To top it off, I was already a little leery because we just went over here around the corner, and the name of the place was Cons. So I was already a little leery when I went in there. Went in, the guy starts showing a dryer, and he started talking about all the features in the dryer, then it has all of these different cycles, and I said, man, I don't really need all that. I just got color clothes, I got drawers and towels. I don't really need all of these other cycles and stuff. They said, no, you, you really need it. I, 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 let me tell you about auto dry. I said, what? Let me tell you about auto dry. Well, he explained to me, and I wasn't hip at the time to auto dry. He said, wait a minute, you don't have to time it. You just throw it in, and the dryer will run and sense when the clothes are dry, and it will stop. Well, I must confess, y'all, he, he sold me on auto dry. Because in my house, I wash the clothes and I dry them. I fold them while I'm watching ESPN. Now I don't put them up. I just put stacks and they got to come get them. But I, I thought about how much time I'm going and I, the dryer would go off and I go in there. I think it's dry. You stick your hand in there wet. You got to start it all over. So he sold me on auto dry, man. We bought this dryer. I was so excited that when I got home, he said he could deliver it in two days. When I got home, I said, I'm going to get this old dryer out of here. I went on home and I was getting all the stuff off the old dryer. And as I moved all the fabrics off and this stuff, guess what I discovered about my old dryer? My old dryer had auto dry. Man, I was so frustrated. I was so angry because I thought about how many times that I started it all over, how much wasted energy, how much unnecessary tossing and turning I went through for years all because I didn't know what I already had. That's what I'm trying to tell you about peace. We can sleep at night, my brothers and sisters. We don't have to fight anxiety. If you've accepted Jesus, you already have peace, y'all. We can be at peace because we're in peace in the presence of God. Jesus left us peace, and the peace he left us wasn't the absence of problems. He said, I leave you peace, my peace I give to you. The peace he left us was the presence of the Holy Spirit. He left us the comfort, and that's what will help us during difficult times. My brothers and sisters, God's plan is rooted in prayer, and we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us, minister to us as we go through it. Now, in the text, after Moses prayed in verse 4, then God spoke to him in 5 and 6 and said, look, you go before the people, and I'm going to go before you. How many folk know that when you pray, God has a way of guiding your steps? And if we're going to be able to deal with situations like this, we have to follow God's plan. But then we also got to understand God's process because his ways are not our ways, y'all. His, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Look at verse 9. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men 
and go out and fight. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. My brothers and sisters, we have to learn to work together. Now, imagine if Joshua would have said, why, I got to go down there and fight, and you stay on the hill. Why don't you go down there and fight, and I stay on the hill? But my brothers and sisters, if we understand God's process, we have to work together. And all of us have roles and responsibilities. My brothers and sisters, then we must align and not be fighting amongst each other. We must learn to work together. Look at the process. Uh, we need some folks that are willing to work together and are willing to fight for God. Joshua chose some men who went down there to fight. My brothers and sisters, I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to fight for God? Are you willing to partner up with some folks to fight for what's right? Are you willing to stand outside by some people to fight for what we know that God has in store for each and every one of us? Or do you choose, my brothers and sisters, to pick a different path? If we're going to do what God has called us to do, my brothers and sisters, we have to follow the process and work together. we got to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, we want to acknowledge him so that he could direct our path. Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he went down to fight. Now, you got to understand how this process worked. God also allows us to see some stuff. The thing for us, we have to be rooted in, and sometimes we get so we believe that we use God and don't realize it's God who uses us. As Christians, sometimes we think that God is our spiritual bellhop. We can pray and God will show up and do exactly what we want. My brothers and sisters, prayer is not the tool to get God to do what we want. Prayer is the tool in which God gets us to do what he wants us to do. So my question to you, are you willing to follow God's plan and understand his process? As we look at the text, Joshua went down to fight, and he was fighting. One of the things we discovered, my brothers and sisters, is the last point I want to point out. We got to rely on God's power because Joshua was a warrior, and he was fighting in the valley. What we discovered is Joshua's success in the valley was predicated on how well Moses was doing on the hill. Scripture said that when, when Moses became tired and his hands started to fall, Joshua started to lose in the valley. Moses was raising up the rod of God. Moses was lifting up our God. Moses was raising the banner for our Savior. They're on the hill, and Joshua was winning in the valley. My brothers and sisters, I argue that we're losing out there because we're struggling in here. <laughs> We're losing in the valley because we're not working together on the hill. Look at what happened as Moses' hands became heavy. Aaron and Hur got on each side, and they propped him up to give him some support, and they lifted him up, his hands up. And what we discover in the text, that the power of victory wasn't rooted in a man. The power wasn't in Moses. The power was in the fact that the rod of God was lifted up. What I love about it is God's word allow us to see that we don't have to trust in man. We trust in men that are holding up God. We trust in people that are working together that God is lifted up. And if he is lifted up, then there's victory in the valley. My brothers and sisters, I, I close this morning just challenging us. Can we work together to allow love to win? We live in a time, my brothers and sisters, where you and I must be really careful because if we're not careful how we respond as Christians, we have some unsaved folks 
who are responding extremely negative with hatred. And the challenge for us is your frustration could fuel hatred if you don't check it. My frustration could fuel hatred if I don't check it. I have to be careful, my brothers and sisters, not to say something that is outside of the will of God because all of a sudden the enemy uses that to fuel other foolishness. My brothers and sisters, in here we must work together. We can't expect there to be unity in the world if there's not unity in the church. We can't expect people out there to work together if we don't work together. My brothers and sisters, I close leaving you with this thought. It said, the Lord is my banner. I don't know about y'all, anybody who belonged to this country and lived after 9-11, I never forget I was in a, a car I had flown to Houston and when we were under attack, I never forget, I went downtown and I was in the Pinzo building at work and I was looking at a, a monitor and I saw those World Trade Centers fall. Later that day, I saw they panned over to George W. Bush. He was in a school. Man, I saw the look on his face when, when somebody told him what was going on. I'll never forget, uh, somebody said at that point, you know, a flag popped up and said, man, these colors, they don't run. At that point, I saw George W. Bush, and I said, I don't know when, but I said, we're going to find who did this, and we're going to deal with them, y'all. And as much as I felt pride about that American flag, that I was going to stand and fight, I want to argue, my brothers and sisters, it can't compare to the bloodstained banner that you and I must stand and fight for, my brothers and sisters. Love must prevail. Love of Christ must prevail. All of us must make it our mantra, my brothers and sisters to realize that Jesus died so that we could have life and life more abundantly. And we're all saved by the grace of God, no respective person. None of us deserve salvation. It was God's gift. And we stand here today because of his unmerited favor. And each and every one of us must allow that love to permeate our life. Let's give them something to talk about, y'all. Imagine when we're working together and loving one another. You know, Contra, I got a, a friend of mine, we talk about it all the time. He got the biggest Trump sign at his house, you know, and I told him, I said, that's all right. Uh, uh, are you going to leave Trump at home with your wife and your daughter? And he get mad when I say that, you know. And, and, and we face a lot of stuff. He said, well, Biden's going to fall asleep, you know, when you put him in office. And I said, well, look, my trust not in Biden. He said, neither is mine. Our trust is in God. So we can come together and we can pray that God help our country. We can come together and say, God, help us stand for your word. We can come together and say, God, I, I don't want my way or his way, but I want God's way. I want to challenge you, my brothers and sisters. Are you willing to let love win today? Are you willing to drop your political platform? You're willing to drop your agenda to let love win, to stand firmly and say, God, I live for you. I trust and believe in you that God is bigger than any problem. He's bigger than any situation. He's bigger than any circumstance. I'm not saying don't be careless in what we do. We stand, we fight, we vote. We do what's right, my brothers and sisters. We stand for biblical principles in all aspects. But we do it as folks who love God and love folks that we disagree with so that the same love that saved us could possibly save them. My brothers and sisters, let's give them something to talk about. Let love win today. Let the love of our Savior the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He had all power, my brothers and sisters, to come off that cross, but, but he stayed there. And how many folk know the nails didn't keep him there? 
The nails didn't hold him to the cross, my brothers and sisters. He loved us enough. In the midst of them gambling for his clothes, putting a crown of thorn on his head, he loved enough where he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If he could forgive those that are persecuting him, why we can't forgive folks that say things about us that we don't like? Why we can't allow love to get past different situations and circumstances? I argue, my brothers and sisters, we can change the narrative with this because love will win, y'all. Contrary to popular belief, love covers a multitude of sin. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, each and every one of us must examine ourselves and examine our hearts and ask God to speak to us and allow us to align with him. Some of you like me, you may have to spend time and say, God, I, I'm sorry because I was taking control of what I should have been giving to you. Some of us have to open up and realize that, hey, you know what, just because I don't understand don't mean I should push it away. Just because I'm not there with you don't mean that I don't care for you. I thank God for the heart of those who love. I thank God because each and every one of us are here today. I didn't tell you my story, but God delivered me October 31st, 1996, from alcoholism. I was sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. To the waters he lifted me, and now safe am I. And it was God's love that lifted me. No way in the world that I could stand here today with all the things I've done, the pain I took my wife through in those first seven years, and look down on anybody and say that the same love that saved me can't touch them and change their heart, their mind, and their agendas. Because God is able. Amen? Every head bow, every eye closed. Father, bless in this place. Lord, as we submit today, Father God, we pray that you would touch each and every one of us. For those in this place today that haven't accepted you as Lord and Savior and that feeling compelled for your love, we pray that today could be a day of salvation. For those of us that just have a repentant spirit and realize that, hey, you know what? I got to realign myself and my priority must be you, God, and not anything else. Lord, I pray for repentance and for those that are just wanting the strength to fight on and not to be worried and live in your peace. We pray that you would grant your peace in this place. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. My brothers and sisters, we extend the privilege this morning. If you're in this place today and you've never accepted the love of Christ, I want to tell you that God loves you. He cares for you. He died with you in mind. Same saving grace that fixed my brokenness where he can fix yours. God loves each and every one of us. And there's nothing that you've done too bad that, that, that God is not waiting with open arms. In fact, he's looking for an opportunity to show how good he is by allowing you to submit yourselves unto him. Maybe you say, Reverend, I'm, I'm saved, but I've been hardened by life. And, and I realize that, that, that I know the love, but I have not been active in my love. Love's been a statement, but it hasn't been an action. And I want to change that today. I challenge each and every one of you born-again believers today that you would open up your heart and, and ask God to help you increase your love. All of us can grow. That God would allow you to love outside of your own limits.
and be filled with his spirit so that you can do more and be more. If that's your story today, we'd ask you to come. As we prepare to close, I'll turn it over to Pastor David. But I want to thank God for each and every one of you. Challenge us to let God's heart be our heart. Let God's love be our love. God bless you.